Praise the Lord. Hey, young people, praise the Lord. Amen. The Lord is good. And all the time. Let's give a mighty hand clap to the Lord for the time he has given us uh, to gather in this place. I'm very happy to be here. I would like to give thanks to the leadership of All Saints Cathedral Kampala, but also to the leadership of the teen service altogether for the opportunity he has given us as an organization this week, but particularly this Sunday uh, to come and join you uh, to share with you the love of Christ, but also continue learning all together. My name is Douglas Martin Semaganda. I didn't come alone. I came with the team. Kindly stand up for recognition. They are our mothers. Please welcome them. Uh -huh. uh, the lady in front, please put up your hand. She's called uh, Auntie Jenina Nagaba. Call her mommy. Tell her you're welcome, mommy. Please tell her, mommy, you're welcome. Uh -huh. And then behind her, uh, she's called Mommy Robina Muehamiza. Yes. Uh, we both uh, serve with Life Ministry Uganda. And next to them, she's actually our sister. She's a daughter to uh, Auntie Robina. Please welcome her. Uh, are you still a teen or you crossed over? Are you still a teen or you crossed over? She crossed over. She's still a teen. Let's welcome her. Yes. Great. Um, as our theme is uh, the Lord is compassion, as our also sister has read for us uh, the theme scripture. Um, we are going to continue learning together. And let us pray once again, because scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Let us pray. Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've given us to meet and uh, share about your compassion. We thank you, Lord, for the various speakers that have shared in the previous Sundays. Thank you, Lord, for what you're teaching us from this amazing book in the Bible. We pray that, Lord, our lives will be transformed even as we are crowning up today. I pray, King of glory, that our lives will not remain the same again, even as we are learning about your compassion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, my name is Douglas Martin Semaganda, and I'm married to a very beautiful lady. She's not here. She's called Rita Semaganda. She sends her greetings. She's a little bit weak, but I guess she's online. Uh, seeing and listening to us, but she sends her love to you. We are very glad that on the 26th of October, 2019, at 10 a.m., cars drove in at Cathedral, and we made vows. Yes, and it has been so far two years and maybe three months of a marriage bliss, enjoying the Lord's goodness uh, together. And by the grace of God, I am a teacher by profession. Rita is an economist. We went to Chambago University quite many years back. And we want to give thanks to God that uh, he called us to serve at various intervals, uh, separately when we are still single. And when I saw as a, a young man that I need a, a woman who understands what I do, I didn't look too far. So I proposed to her. And she said, yes. 
Praise the Lord. Yeah, so we are serving together at Life Ministry Uganda. And uh, since last year, in July, we are privileged to be leading the National Student-Led Movement Department. This is a department that is reaching, reaching out to you because majority of your students at a national school, but also university students. I know some of you are still in high school, you're crossing to university. We work with you uh, closely across this nation. And we also are part as Life Ministry Uganda, this being a life week, uh, beginning today throughout the week. Um, Life Ministry Uganda as a national family, we are part of the global family of Campus Crusade for Christ International. And uh, Campus Crusade for Christ International began in 1951 at a local university called University of California in Los Angeles by a lady and a gentleman that were a couple. They are businessmen and God called them to leave business and invest in ministry full time. So this couple was called Bill and Vonette Bright, and they went to be with the Lord. But the ministry continues, and they want to give thanks that by 2019, Campus Crusade for Christ International uh, is in over, was in over then, over 190 countries of the world. And we want to give thanks that close to 25,000 um, staff are part of this ministry, and 100,000 volunteers plus are volunteering to serve uh, with this ministry. And we want to give thanks that um, as an organization, we even celebrated 50 years of God's faithfulness last year, but the celebration still continues, and this is part of the celebration altogether. We've worked with All Saints Cathedral Kampala over 20 plus years, uh, partnered together, and we are glad that we are still working together. Our vision is simple, I'll be very fast, it's movements everywhere so that everyone knows someone who truly follows Jesus Christ. And our mandate comes from Matthew 28, 18 to 20, that talks about the Great Commission, but also 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, that talks of multiplying ourselves. You share, someone shares the gospel with you, you share with someone else, that someone also shares with someone else, and that someone also shares with someone else, so that the gospel continues to go. And it is an acronym, LIFE. It stands for lay involvement for evangelism, where men and women like me and you, who are not probably necessarily having a caller or not even planning to have a caller, you can actually be skilled uh, to be able to do ministry. And uh, we began in 1971 in Uganda. And as I shared, we celebrated 50 years last year. We are located at Plot 2. Moyo Close of Prince Charles Drive, Kololo Hill in Kampala. That amazing couple, they are called David and Sarah Wataba. They are our national directors, all CEO. And this morning, they were sharing in the main uh, service at Cathedral, as our theme is family at the crossroads. Praise the Lord. So briefly, we work with university and high school students, you work with professionals and executives, and I want to give you a testimony. Roughly 15 or so years back, there was a teenager who was part of this family then, and one of the staff then reached out to him, and he, he discipled him, he continued to grow. 
That young man then and still now is called Elon Katweheyo. Does some of you know him? Elon Katweheyo? Yes, he was once part of the teen service. And guess what? Right now he's serving Life Ministry Uganda and he's leading the professionals and executives ministry at a national scope. So don't look down on yourself. You can be something even as you are learning from this service. Praise the Lord. We also work with the church leaders and congregations. We work with the digital space. And we also use the Jesus film tools and materials to continue reaching out to God's people. Now, just a, a bit of recap on our previous study as we transit from briefly who we are. We want to give thanks and would like to appreciate the previous speakers who came and shared with us uh, from the book of Jonah. But let's just recap over what transpired or what we learned. First, we learned from John, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 17, that God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, but he disobeys. That was bad. But it's written that uh, as he continues in that disobedience between Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, we see that God sends a fish and swallows him. Jonah honestly prays to the Lord. And even as I was meditating on this, I was wondering, where do we turn to as young people? Amidst temptation, amidst trials and problems. From this I learned that we need to honestly call on the name of the Lord because he cares and is concerned in our situation. Praise the living God. But then later on in the next chapter, we see that Jonah finally obeys the Lord. And he goes where God had called him. Praise the Lord. So I want to give thanks, even as I already shared, that as Life Ministry Uganda this year going forward, our focus is family at the crossroads. All of us come from a family. I have a family. And even soon to be, I'll be a father. Praise the Lord. But I also come from a family. But you also this morning came from a family. But something that is also exciting is a few years to come, you also start a new family. So with this, in relation to even our topic today, my thoughts on Jonah in relation to this theme uh, we are talking about, these thoughts came to mind. Number one, Jonah belonged to a family. He was the son of a gentleman called Amitai. We see that in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. So he had a family. But also, the other thought that came to mind is Jonah had a calling as a prophet. But who knows? His family never supported him. Who knows? It's just a thought that came to mind. Because does his disobedience communicate something to us? I was thinking, who knows, that probably Jonah... Uh, being a son of Amitai in a home setting, Amitai as a father never came probably alongside his son to let him know of the things of the Lord. And it's a challenge to me and a question to me and also to you. Is your family coming alongside you to continue helping you grow in your relationship with God, identifying your talents and gifting, identifying your calling and purpose? All, everyone is on himself and God for us all. So it's a challenge to me and also a question to you. But also the third uh, uh, thought that came to mind is Jonah must have had anger 
and mood issues. The guy was moody. Hmm? But who knows, his parents probably never helped him to overcome that at a younger age. The role of dad and mom is actually to help us nurture us in character and behavior that is respectable in a society setting. You shouldn't be getting emotional even in things that shouldn't uh, be worth getting emotional about. So we need to cultivate that at a family setting where you're coming from, but also as an upcoming dad and mom, when the time comes, you need to come alongside your children to help them stabilize their emotional stability. Praise the living God. But it begins with me. It begins with you. How are you doing emotionally? Do you have mood swings? Today you're happy, and then out of the blue, you get sad. You know? Even without tangible evidence or reason for you. We see that because Jonah was angry and moody, he made a lot of mistakes. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. But also the other thing that came to mind was that Jonah was taking a message of the Lord's judgment to the families of Nineveh. Lucky enough, they repented. And we are going to see later on how God shows compassion to the families in Nineveh and he does not destroy them. But today, we shall have a look at the Lord's compassion. What is compassion? You might be wondering, what, when we talk about compassion, what is it? The English dictionary define it, defines it as, we are going to read together, number one, one, two, three, we go, the deep, let's read together, one, two, three, we go, the deep awareness of the suffering of another coupled with a wish to relieve it. That is compassion. It is an inner longing. It's an inner desire for you to show compassion to someone else. But in this context, we are looking at God having that deep awareness of the suffering of us, his people, his children. But that deep awareness is coupled with a wish to subsidize it, to relieve that pain. But also, surprisingly, compassion as a word, it's the same as empathy, it's the same as mercy, it's the same as pity, it's the same as having sorrow. And what caught my attention, the name or even the word Ruth also means compassion. Anyone here called Ruth? Or you have a sister or a relative called Ruth? Uh -huh. Start calling them compassion also because it's the same thing. Ruth, yeah? So if you are ruthless to someone, literally you are not being compassion. Praise the living God. But also it's the same thing as tender, tender heartedness and also pity. So it's the same word. So we see that Jonah gets angry, but the Lord instead shows compassion to him. And our sisters already read for us uh, the theme scripture for our focus today. I'm not going to read it because of time. Let us continue. I will simply keep referring to it. Um, there are five lessons I pick from this chapter as we read it, as we even continue to do it on, uh, to read and study in our free time. Number one, life lessons I picked from this chapter. Number one is we need to learn to rule 
our anger. Tell your neighbor, learn to rule your anger. Ah, you know we have masks, but eh? tell them again. Tell, even if you know their name, tell them. Douglas or so, learn to rule your anger. You tell them, tell each other. Uh-huh. God has given us emotions, but that's not a ticket for us to, to be unruly in, in whatever old way we are conducting ourselves. In this aspect of anger, especially over, we need not to rule, uh, to learn, we need to learn to rule our anger, especially over God's judgment, because our anger actually changes nothing anyway. If God has already said something, even if you get moody, even if, like Jonah, even if you get angry, even if you throw tantrum and you put off your clothes and throw them there, it does not shock God. It doesn't. And Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9, uh, this is the Good News Bible. It says, keep your temper under control. Keep your temper under under control. And it says, it is foolish to harbor a grudge. So we need to learn this discipline so that we are not like Jonah in verse 1 and verse 2 uh, in the book of Jonah where he became too angry because God had forgiven uh, the people of Nineveh. No, we need to be, we need to rule our temper, especially in every circumstance we are going through, not to be moody. We need to be in control of our situation. Praise the Lord. But number two, what I learned from this is that we need to desist getting fed up of life quickly. I know we have gone through much. I can imagine majority of you probably, uh, for those who are not probably in international schools, you were actually at home for two years. We might have gone through a lot. I know I'm a teacher. I know. But probably also majority of you might have been continuing to study online. It was so weary. Being in front of your computer or your phone or tablet 24-7. Oh, man. Missing your friends. You know? We went through much. But let's not get fed up. I know even as we transited back to school, hey, things are tough. Probably teachers are bombarding us with a lot of information. Um, we're missing probably even home because it was more of a chilling moment. Now we are back to waking up very early in the morning. I am here to let you know that whatever circumstance you are going through, please don't give up. Tell your neighbor, don't give up. Yes. Don't give up. We see that in verse 3 uh, where Jonah was too quick to even desire to die. So, never let your emotions as a result of temporary circumstances override your judgment permanently. When you're in a situation, it's temporal. It has come, it will go. Don't think of jumping from, from a flat house so that you commit suicide. Don't think of taking um, strange things so that you die while asleep. There is still hope. God still cares and he loves me. He loves you. Praise the living God. Yes. Continuing, the other thought that comes to mind, the third thing, is that God is not intimidated by our mood swings. Yes. He still cares. We may be moody. 
but he doesn't look at her emotions. He looks, he's moved by truth. And that truth is God's word. We may be throwing tantrum. God, why am I going through this? Hey, he is in control. Sala pressure. Eh? God is in control. I have a friend who has a t-shirt. I like it. He says, Kakana, God is in control. As in rest, God is in control. He got you. Praise the Lord. So we see that in verse 5 and verse 6, he made a shelter through a plant for the angry Modi Jonah. You may be here and you are the angry Modi, put your name. <laughs> but I'm here to encourage you that God still cares about you. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it affirms this. He says, let's read together, one, two, three, go. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, if you're able to see, let's read together. It's in bold, one, two, three, go. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Praise the Lord. He is faithful. But number four, God is also sovereign. The Lord is sovereign. He's above Every circumstance, he's above every situation. He's above every opinion. He does what he does in his authority. Actually, our questioning counts little to his execution. Yes, he sends a worm. We see this, that he sends a worm to eat the very plant he had made for Jonah. We see that in verse 6 and verse 7. But Isaiah 45 Allow me to read this. It's very interesting. Isaiah 45, you can even open with me and you read in your own version. Read from the New Living Translation, Isaiah 45, verse 9 uh, to 12. It says, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? <clears throat> Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it? saying, stop, you are doing it wrong. Does this pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? Verse 10, how terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to its father, why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, why did you make me this way? Verse 11, this is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and your Creator do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? Verse 12. I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. Ladies and gentlemen, my sisters, my brothers, I'm here to remind you that Jesus, God, He's still in charge. He's not about to stop being the chief executive director above all the other directors. He has not yet backslidden from being God, sovereign. God who is able. He's the father above all fathers. He's the manager of the managers. Praise the living God. We may ask, but remember, our questioning... <laughs> As we've read scripture, can you ask your mother or father, why did you make me like this? No. So it's the same thing. I know we might have 
situations we are going through, even me. But hey, God is not first asking us or calling us to questioning. He's simply first calling us to obedience and to trust in his word. Praise the Lord. But number five also, what comes to mind from this uh, chapter, chapter four of Jonah, is that God has the institution of family at heart, most especially the younger generation. I would like to remind you, some of you already know, that Uganda has the youngest, pop, uh, youngest population globally. I think below the age of 15 or so, if I'm not mistaken. We have the youngest generation. We are young, we are vibrant, we are energetic. But let me tell you, if Uganda was the Nineveh of today, all of then, trust me, God will not have destroyed this generation. Why? Because he desires that when the younger generation knows him and continues to walk in his faithfulness with the Lord, they are able to replicate a godly, many godly generations altogether. So God has called you, God has called me, don't look down on yourself as a young man, as a young woman. You need to pursue your purpose. You need to pursue and utilize your skills and talents for God's use, for God's purpose. This is a family. Uh, as the teen service, you can actually even consider coming and serve. When you're still a little bit young, energetic, you are able to still see clearly, you are able to still walk without a clutch or even bending with a walking stick. When I discovered that, in 2014, when I finished my Bachelor's of Arts with Education at Chambogo, and I listened God calling me to be a part of what he's doing in my generation, to not only learn or to teach history and Luganda language as a teacher in a secondary school, but to teach his word across the board. I said, yes, here I am, Lord. Use me. And of all these years, the Lord has been faithful. He has provided he has done me good. He has done my colleagues and everyone that is in his service good. God is still faithful. God is still able. But also, we see that Nineveh had close to 120,000 people who couldn't differentiate between their left hand and their right hand. It's interesting. Literally, these were toddlers. For you, at least, you know. Uh, please put up your left hands, I see. Hey, some people are not sure. Probably they belong in the 120,000 of Nineveh. Uh-huh. What about your right? Right hand? Uh-huh. That is for you a little bit older. But in this city, there were actually people, children, young people, who could not differentiate between their left and their right. But God was compassionate on them, not to destroy them, with their older parents who had sinned against the Lord. God is still able to show compassion even to you. But also what amazed me is that actually God also had animals in mind. Can you imagine? He had elephants, lions, pigs, hmm? rhinoceros, uh, name it, zebras in mind. He could not have destroyed a city or a country and also animals done, die innocently. For those of you who have pets, some of you have pets and you love them so much. Yes, also God actually loves them because he created them. 
But God cares and is compassion, compassionate about us, but also even exceeding to his creation. Praise the living God. So in conclusion, even as I come to a close, God is so full of mercy. He relents or becomes less hard or rigid or he withdraws from doing harm to us. We see this also in Psalm 100 verse 6. 100 verse 6 from verse 43. You can note this down. You can read it in your free time because of time. Um, verse 43 to 46 says, Again and again he restored them, but they chose to rebel against him, and they were finally destroyed by their sin. Even so, he pitied them in their distress and listened to their cries. Verse 45, he remembered his covenant and relented because of his unfaithful, unfailing love. He even caused their captors to treat them with kindness. He's talking of the children of Israel. When they are taken to captivity, he actually spoke to those that are taken captive of them that, hey, treat my children with compassion. And no wonder he even actually sends Moses to rescue his people from the hand of the gruesome slave masters. Praise the living God. So what does God expect of us? What does he expect of me? What does he expect of you? Number one is unwavering obedience. When God calls you or tells you to stand and go, before you ask, where should I go? How am I going? Do, which means, is there AC where I'm going? Is there wireless? Uh-uh. The first thing to do is to stand. That's the first thing. First of all, actually, to hear, then to stand, and then walk. I got amazed through my Bible study and journey of salvation. I realized that no man in the Bible was given a clear from one to a hundred clear plan of what God was calling him to do. But that plan got more clearer and clearer as they continued to listen, to obey, and walk towards their destiny. Praise the living God. What has God called you to do? And what are you doing towards it? Simply obey. Trust and obey. God is faithful. But also the second thing what he's expecting of us is giving his word, the 66 books of the Old and New Testament, maximum undivided attention. We, didn't, we need to read it not as a tick off. Today I've done Bible study, sorry, Bible study or personal devotion in the morning. Yes, you tick. And when you've not, you feel moody, you feel angry, and blame yourself. No, we need to grow from that place of simply ticking off as a to-do list and do it as a response to God's love for us. Praise the Lord. But also, I need to remember, you need to remember that unknowfully that he is Jehovah Roy. He's the Lord, my, your shepherd. Praise the Lord. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, let's recite it offhead. Uh -huh. What does it say? Hey, we are young people, friends. Let's speak louder. One, two, three, we go. Uh -huh. I shall not want. Anyone who knows it in Runyankole? Runyankole? Uh -huh. 
I can give you a gift. Dunyankole. Ah, hey, Auntie Robina, please. I see your hand up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let's clap for her. What about in Luganda? The word is more sweeter in our local language. What about in Luganda? Mm -hmm. Simon, you want to give it a shot? Uh-huh. Hey. Uh-huh. I shall not want. Praise the Lord. Yes. Jehovah is our shepherd. So you need to experience the Lord's compassion each day in your education, in your family, in your plans, in every aspect, in every situation you are going through. Praise the Lord. And you may be here and you're saying, I need that compassion. I need God to give me a second chance. I need God to respond in my situation. I would like to pray with you and to pray for you that each day you will be reminded of his compassionate love for you, that he will in intervene in that situation you are going through. We may not know it, but the Lord knows it. Is there anyone who said, I would like you to pray with me? Please put up your hand and we shall pray. Is there any? Please put up your hand and then we pray and we close. Okay, let us pray together. Lord, you want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for this experience that has written in your word in Jonah. We want to thank you, Lord, that what was written was written for our own understanding, that through comfort of scripture, we might have hope. Lord, we pray and I dedicate even this younger generation of Uganda represented here, but also, Lord, this is actually the future of the church, the future of All Saints Cathedral, Kampala. Lord, you've been faithful to this cathedral. You've been faithful to Kampala Diocese, to the body of Christ at large. I pray that, Lord, even in our disobedience, even in our moodiness and anger and tantrums as young people, Lord, I pray that your compassion will override that in the name of Jesus. I pray for my sister, pray for my brother here. Also pray for myself, O oh Lord, that we shall remember that you are Jehovah Roy, the Lord, our shepherd. That Lord, in our disobedience, you will show compassion to us. You are faithful. Even amid our faithlessness, you are still faithful. So I pray, King of glory, that in the path of disobedience, we shall come to our senses and that we shall repent and come back to the right path. That, Lord, we shall not question your judgment as young people, but we shall simply trust you and obey because there is no other way anyway. We pray, King of glory, that this truth will linger in our hearts that even as this season we are looking at family at the crossroads, we pray, Lord, for our families we are coming from. We pray for the families we shall ever make when that time comes and if it's also your will. I pray, Lord, that we shall be parents 
that we shall even come alongside our children, that we shall not develop the Jonas of our generation who will be disobedient to your calling. Instead of going to Nineveh, Lord, they will not go to Tashish. I pray, O oh Lord, that even as ourselves seated here, you shall help us cultivate our emotional stability as young people. That amid this anger, amid this mood swings, we shall not sin against you. We thank you, Lord. We magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and may God bless you. Thank you, Douglas. Let's appreciate the man again. Once again, we are just going to have a brief, uh, we are going to sit here with Douglas. I have some questions. I don't know if you have any question. Um, you will have opportunity to ask me. I just have two. Uh, so Douglas, you come here. These guys will give us a mic. I can sit also on this chair. You will obey. Thank you for being compassionate and allowing me to ambush you. We didn't plan this. It just occurred to me. Yeah, so I don't know. If you have any question, we have about 15 minutes um, to go. Ezra, can they still see us on Zoom? They can, okay. If they have questions, but if you're on Zoom and you have a question, um, feel free to ask. But for the past four weeks, this is the fourth Sunday, we've been going through the book of Jonah. Yeah, and, and Douglas did well to recap for us right from Jonah chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and finally chapter 4. And today he has focused on God's compassion. Yeah, and I think for me it occurred to me that in that story uh, we see as if two opposites. We see Jonah who is not compassionate at all. Yeah. Who is asked to go and preach a message of repentance? Not so. But he doesn't want. He's like, man, those guys can die. You know? To the extent that God has to cause a storm. The man has to end up in a fish. And he's still grumbling. Even up to chapter 4. Yeah? He's still angry the way that chapter starts. But then on the other hand, um, we see God. First of all, God who is compassionate to Jonah, not so. Who doesn't destroy Jonah, but preserves him, helps him, says, man, you go. Provides a means for him to be saved even from the storm in his disobedience. And God who also has compassion on the Ninevites. Yeah? It was a wicked city, by the way, in, in Assyria. Yeah, it was like the capital city of Assyria. Very wicked. But... He remembers mercy on them because they repent. Douglas, the compassion of God, we like, that's a nice message, which we like, yeah? How do you think we can avoid taking his compassionate nature for granted? Not so, because it's wonderful to hear that, wow, God is compassionate. Yay, I can go and... Be angry. I can go and lie, cheat, steal. Not so. I can always come back to God. So how do we? How do we? How do you think we can avoid 
how do you think we can avoid that? I'm not asking Douglas alone. There could be a response um, that you guys have. Um, feel free to share. Okay, thank you. I, I will, I'm not and I'll never be the epitome of wisdom. God only can. Um, but also we have answers here. You allow me to share uh, just what comes to mind. One is deliberately being intentional uh, to say that I won't take God's grace and mercy for granted. Majority of you have heard uh, the grace move or the grace gospel where people eradicate for continuation of sin now that God has died for us or has shown us mercy altogether. But I call that stupidity. I call that foolishness because it's literally, whenever you walk that way, you are literally as though nailing Christ Jesus on the cross again. But also remember there is a time when that compassion and mercy won't be anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the second coming of Christ, for those that would have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus, they won't, be, they won't feel ashamed. They will go with him. Some will be caught up for those who will be alive then. But even those that would have died in the Lord will resurrect and go with them. And that compassion will end like, yeah. and then God is wrath the Bible says, will be poured on the sons of disobedience. I pray that I, or even you, shouldn't be a part of those people, that God will show the actual wrath. So for me, I think we simply need to be wise and intentional to know that Jesus died for us. We shouldn't take him for granted. As in a father lost his one, number one, one, but also begotten son. He died on our sake. That's number one, intentionality. The second thing that comes to mind is actually to know where we came from as believers. Uh, where once in darkness, Ephesians chapter 5, you can write this. It came to heart. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, for you were once darkness. Not in darkness, but you were once darkness. Mwali chizikiza. Not only in darkness, no, you were the actual darkness because of your sin. But he says, but, I like the word but in the Bible because it's a transitional statement. It creates a bridge, a comparison between the former and then the latter. So it says, for you were once darkness, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, but now you are light in the Lord. Full stop, continuation. Walk as children of light. So it's a calling to me, it's a calling to you to intentionally walk in that light of compassion, of co the compassionate and nature of God. So that you don't cross back to what you were, not only in what you were, but what you were then. So in brief, from my, uh, from my perspective, intentionality, not to uh, walk in foolishness and taking God's grace and compassion and mercy for granted. And then secondly, knowing where you came from. Amen, Thanks. amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Douglas. I see a hand. Uh, is that da That's not Daniela. 
It is Daniela. My God, my eyesight is failing me. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Um, and I just have a small response to the question. It was how we don't misuse God's compassion. So I want to bring it from the perspective that it's by grace that we were saved. Yes? And what was the purpose of grace? To bring us to Christ, to bring us to be reunited with God. The purpose of grace was not to be an excuse for sin. And then um, Galatians 5, 19 says, what human nature is quite plain. So it goes on to say that different things that the human nature does and then gives the fruits of the spirit. And I just want to highlight this part. Um, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have put to death their human nature with all its passions and desires. The spirit has given us life. He must also control our lives. We must not be proud or irritate one another or be jealous of one another. The difference between Jonah is that Jonah lived in the Old Testament times where the grace of God was distributed differently from the way it was. The grace of God is given to us for our salvation. And also Philippians chapter 4, I think 12. Okay, I will get the scripture and give it to you, but it talks about how we are on a continuous journey, and Paul is saying how he in himself is not yet perfect. But the difference is, Paul doesn't go back, the phrase, go back to the vomit, go like the dog vomits and goes back to it. Christ tells us not to do that, but instead he picks himself up where he's fallen, because we are humans, and we are sin. And the Bible says anyone who says he's without sin is lying. Mm. So in the same way, we pick ourselves up by the grace of the Spirit and move forward. That is different from deliberately going out to sin. David refers to the sins that so easily entangle us. And those are sins you are unaware of. There's a difference between something you go out to do and something that happens. And grace applies for true repentance. Because if you intentionally went out to do something, will you truly repent for it? Because in your heart you'll just say to yourself, oh, I'm going to go and do it again, and I'll just come and say this. But if it truly breaks your heart, like um, the prayer, God changed my heart so that what breaks your heart breaks my heart, and what brings you joy brings me joy. In the same way, we move towards the calling and the direction of the Spirit because it said the Spirit saved our lives, so he must control our lives. And by that, we will not misuse compassion. Thank you. Wow, wow, and, and, wow. and Simon, uh, thank you very much, our sister. The scripture she was referring to it is Philippians chapter 3. You can simply note it. You can read it in your free time. Philippians chapter 3, read from verse 12 to verse 21. Amen. Philippians 3, verse 12 to 21. Thanks. Amen, amen. Thank you. You know, it's interesting. I don't think in life would ever go, Yay, mommy, daddy, I love you so much. Let me continue disobeying what you're telling me. But I love you. You know it, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's to show that we love them is to do what they are telling us. 
to do. Yeah? And it's the same thing with God, who is our Father. And I think it's John 14, 15, says, If you love me, you will obey my commands. Thank you so much, uh, Douglas and Daniela. Okay, I think I have one more question. And it's about anger. You talked about anger. And how it's interesting how Jonah, for him, he was angry not because they had beaten him or uh, stolen his, you know, property or cheated or lied to him. No, he was angry because he didn't want to share a message of hope, a message of salvation, a message of God's grace with uh, disobedient people. And I was just thinking, are there times or um, moments in our lives where we are as if, where we have a certain kind of jealousy? Yeah? Where perhaps you have a friend, a relative who, ah, man, they are, they are, they are prospering, maybe at school, but their lifestyle is not really, eh? Yeah? It's not really godly. It's not really so. There is a certain kind of, of jealousy, you know, in that regard, and perhaps even the desire to say, "Man, let me invite my sister to church. Let me invite my cousin to church. Let me invite, you know." So, so there is that kind of. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. There's a kind of um, indifference towards them, yeah. They are not living in the ways of God. Perhaps they even, you know, verbally reject God. They abuse you as a believer. Eh? So you don't want anything to do with them coming to the knowledge of God's saving grace. You guys understand what I'm saying? I hope I've not confused you. Yeah, so perhaps maybe you even have an experience or even a testimony you could share. But I'm just wondering how can God help us yeah, if they are Muslim brothers and sisters in our classes, you know, in our, in our neighborhoods, you know, really ridicule, for example, the things of God from the experience of Jonah, from what you've been sharing with us, how can we be encouraged um, to step out and actually reach out to them in the small ways, in the big ways as God helps us? Thank you very much. Uh, quickly, what comes to mind is you can't give what either you don't have or you are not assured of. Okay? So in other words, if you are a non-believer, you can't have compassion for non-believers to be saved, right? <laughs> yes. So you can't give what you don't have. But now, for us who are now believers, yes, we have Christ in our lives. Uh, we are believers. Yes, we are enjoying God's grace and forgiveness. Praise the Lord. We are even attending teen service each Sunday. But hey, you are actually not yet sure whether you are really saved. Are you saved because, are you saved, all the Christian in quotes, because mom, man, dad and mom every Sunday tells me to enter the car and come to this place. So here I am. When is it ending? Uh, so that I go back home and I continue my PlayStation. Hmm? So the question is, are you actually a Christian? 
and who is a Christian? A Christian is someone that has prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. They are deliberately, moment by moment, trusting the Lord, not their works, but the Lord, to see them through this walk of their salvation. It's by grace, through faith, not of works, as she shared with us a scripture from Ephesians. And then there are also Christians, born-again Christians, are also actually deliberately desiring to make or to fish more Christians. In other words, they are sharing their faith with their friends, with their family, yeah, so that they are able to multiply that gift in other people. So for me, what comes to mind are those two things. Are you sure, if you're a believer, are you sure that you're Christian? Because you can't share what you're not assured of. The reason why there are people who tell of Dubai experiences because they have seen on TV. But some of us here have been at Dubai. Not so. Some of us might. So, when you're talking of the Dubai experience, you are talking of what you saw, what you touched, what you felt in Dubai. Not so. So, you share that. In other words, even as they guide, someone asks you, how do you reach there? You even know the process of how you can reach there. So, altogether, we simply need to be deliberate uh, to pass on this compassionate love uh, we've received from the Lord because we've experienced it. God forgave us. He died for us. So we simply need to be deliberate, but also we simply need to have skills. How do I share this love with someone else without being judgmental, without being offensive, without actually uh, not communicating something wrong? For example, when you receive Christ, you will get a car. Ah, what if they don't get the car? That is wrong. You simply need to share that with or without a car, receive Christ. Because it's the ticket that will help you experience the eternal life. Yeah, so we simply need to be deliberate and then also have skill, but also thirdly to come out of our comfort zones to realize that these people need that compassion. They need that mercy. They need that grace. Quickly, in a minute, I'll share an experience. Early in January, I was with my guys playing football somewhere, as usual, and one of them, seems he was strange, he stole my phone. I felt bad. I felt angry. It's like, well, I hear they encourage us as believers. If someone wrongs you, if they're not believers, at least you pray that they receive Christ one day. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's what we teach, right? That's what the Bible says. But I felt angry because I was amidst a very hectic season in my workplace and I needed all my gadgets with me full time to continue working because we are transiting from working from on, uh, online 100% into getting physical. But I felt bad. But alongside the way, uh, along the way, the Lord rebuked me. I was like, hey, I even love that thief. Simply pray that the Lord, me, myself, reaches out to him. But also he asked me a question. Is my hand shortened that it can't respond in your situation? And he provided even a better gadget later on. But also because of my, my, yo, we are still on this journey of salvation, that sinful nature. Later on, a few days after, as I was walking on one of the streets where I live, 
a young man I think was trying to exchange to buy something but with fake money. And these shopkeeper, shopkeepers ganged up, they chased him, literally mob justice. And because of then, because of that small unforgiving attitude, my heart skipped a little bit of, yeah, they should, should beat him. And then the Holy Spirit rebuked me. I was like, what if he's innocent? Actually, even you, you can have money with you and you don't know that it's a fake note. Not so. And then you go transact and these guys get you and they kill you on spot, yet you are innocent. Okay? And I don't know where I got that courage, but I shouted at them, like, leave him as in forgive him. And to me, I saw that that was the working of the Holy Spirit in my life to continue realizing that if God was merciful to me, even when I was still not in darkness only, but also darkness, as we've learned, the Lord forgave me. We also need to extend that compassion, uh, that compassion to him. But the truth is, haven't they for, uh, wronged us? Yes, they have. But the Lord is calling us to that continuation of forgiving and having mercy and not being ruthless to people, but to be ruthful. Is that English? Amen. Yes. Thanks. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. Thank you, Douglas. Yeah, let us be ruthful. Yes. Yeah, thank you. We have been, as I mentioned, going through the book of Jonah. Uh, we've Ended it today. Thank you so much, Douglas. I don't know if there's any question that someone has or a supplement, uh, but we are going to end here. Um, but then to just say, and, and, and the hope really, when we plan and arrange teen service, there are quite a number of people who think, uh, you know, who prepare, who plan these different teams. Our hope is that at the end of the day, we'll be better believers with every passing day. Yeah? We, we, we believe that God will continue to do his transforming work in us. Because, guys, the Christian life is practical. It is real. Not so. He has not called us to religious, yeah? Just practices and standing up, attending, saying the creed, affirming our faith, sitting down. That's not what truly makes us Christian. We are made Christian because of Christ at salvation, when we acknowledge our sin, and when we choose every single day to walk in obedience to him and him alone, despite the challenges along the way. And there are many. Yeah, so we really, really hope that you guys will continue to grow, that you really walk with God during the week. Because we only get to see you for what, one and a half hours now? It's already even time. Yeah, but the real thing happens when you walk out this tent. Yeah? When you walk out this tent, when you're relating with your parents, with your siblings, cousins, classmates, the bullies at school, um, etc. So next month is April, obviously, <laughs> and we'll be looking at a new theme from the book of Colossians. Yeah, so teacher Prof. Philip will be here, God willing, uh, to take us through um, some verses in chapter one. So please come.
You can even read through Colossians chapter 1 during the week. But let's, let's continue to walk with Christ. That's where the real life is. Once again, Douglas and our beautiful um, mummies from Life Ministry, thank you so much for coming and for joining us today. We have been blessed. Guys, it was announced this whole week is Life Week. That means that every single service um, from morning, don't know if you guys are aware, there's a morning glory service that happens every day. There's a lunch hour that happens every day. There's an evening prayer meeting that happens every day. There's a midweek service that happens on Wednesday. Till next Saturday. Yeah, Life Ministry will be ministering to us. There will be uh, the different members of their team will be preaching and sharing God's word. Uh, so if you're able to come, please come to log in online. The links will be shared, um, etc. Uh, thank you, Antonio, for leading us. Thank you, Trina and team, for leading us as well. We are just going to pray. Uh, let me not ambush my brother there. Let me leave him. <laughs> but yeah, let's pray and, and leave. Father, we are grateful for today. And we pray that everything we've learned, everything we've been hearing will have an impact in our lives. Your word is clear. You've not called us to be just hearers of the word, but doers of it. And so, Lord, convict us more and more. That we'll walk with you, that we'll love you, and that our love for you will be seen clearly in the way we live. In a special way, we thank you for the team from Life Ministry. We pray that you'll bless them and the work that they do in serving the church, in extending your kingdom, in sharing the gospel uh, with those who are lost. Continue to bless them and use them for your glory. As we go into this week, some of us have exams, some of us have tests, some of us um, are nearing our holiday, interviews, work schedules, all these things. Father, we place the week before us into your hands. We ask that you will help us where we need help, where we need grace, where we will face temptations that we will feel are too heavy to bear. We thank you for your encouragement that you are with us and that you will deliver us. May we not take your mercies and compassion for granted, but may we depend on them to help us and empower us to live for you. For your glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.